when I would start something and someone would say, oh, you've stopped doing that. Why, you know, you're not consistent. You know, consistency is important. And so I've always carried this thought that, you know, usually quitting something that you start, you know, you should persevere, you should keep going. Mm. So I I loved this chapter. This chapter resonated because it kind of presents an alternative idea and also challenges you to think maybe you should quit the things that you do love. Right. He actually talks about it in more of a positive sense, Mm. which is like an interesting spin because, yeah, thinking back to childhood and even now it's like, don't give up, like keep going, don't quit. And yeah, I I can totally see how there is this stigma around Mm -hmm. quitting that is usually considered a negative thing but he just flips it on on its head and says wait a second quitting is great because it opens up space for new hey friends it's nicole and kate your girls from across the globe sydney australia and puerto rico to be exact and we're so excited to be sharing this time with you i'm kate and i'm nicole and welcome back to another candid conversation with us each week we bring you a new conversation about a topic that we can relate to We share our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you'll realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Kate. How are you? I'm doing great. So good to be chatting with you. Always. And you have such an exciting weekend coming up. What are you up to this weekend? We have friends coming into town on Friday night Mm -hmm. and it's five sleeps till Japan. (gasps) Yay! Despite the timing, I'm just very excited to be hanging out with our friends And um, yeah, we've got tickets to Dave Chappelle on Saturday night. So cool. I can't wait to hear how that goes. I know you guys are fans and along with, you know, millions of other people around the world. Um, But how cool that he's in your town. I know. Yeah. Super, super cool. When Omar shared it with me, I was like, yes, let's go. It's like, it's just a few days before we go to Japan. No worries. Let's do it. (laughs) And then actually it was because of these tickets that inspired um the invite for our friends to come down from they live in brisbane um and they're also comedy fans and and we said why don't you guys come down stay with us we'll go to the show together and i was like i i don't think i've ever done this before like a massive like trip that's upcoming to have people stay over and to have like a really packed schedule a few days before normally i like to clear the calendar i don't know what do you think is this a bit of a well you know what i found No, no, no. Because I found that it actually holds you like accountable to being super prepared and like on top of things. Otherwise, if you're like, oh, I have the whole weekend, it's open, like, then you kind of start pushing stuff. And but this way, you're going to be so prepared. That's right. Yes, I've actually felt like it's really funny that you say that because this morning I had these very clumsy moments. Um, I'm one of those people that packs at the last minute. But because our friends are arriving, I've taken out my suitcase days before. Mm. It's sitting in my bedroom with stuff already in there. And because it's in it's in the bedroom, when I was getting out this morning to get up early to record with you, Omar's still sleeping. I knocked into the suitcase 
oh no it was uh it was a bit of a, a moment and i was like go back to sleep go back to sleep Oma. but um yeah i would never be already at this stage of packing had like yeah the schedule not yeah. been kind of going this way so no it's a good thing it's a good thing I have to pack like immediately before I go. Otherwise, I feel like I just end up packing 10 times over. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's great that you're getting an early jump on it. You're going to be all set for your friends to be there and the Chappelle show. And awesome. I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for us. We get to see you in such a short time. I know. I know this is coming up really, really soon, but I also wanted to talk about the fact that you've just come back from a big trip. Mm, I did come back. Yes. Uh, from a weekend in Orlando. So it was a nice and quick trip, easy because no stops, just a direct flight. And I went for PodFest, which I think we've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast here, which is a annual podcasting conference. And I got to hang out with so many great friends, many friends that we've had on the podcast, actually, like Allison Melody and Katie Kremitzos. And I got to see a lot of friends from the podcasting space, a lot of QT, some great conversations. And by the end of it, I'm not going to lie, I was so spent. I'm like, well, we've talked about this as well. I'm somewhat of an introvert. And there were so many times where I had to just be like, I'm going to my room. Yeah. I'm turning off all the lights. I'm sitting by myself. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of a recharge, but it was a great weekend. Well, yeah, it was quick, but you had so much packed in there and so much like contact time with people. And there's that conference buzz and mm -hmm. oh, catching up with people you hadn't seen. So it's an intense time. Yeah. I remember when you texted like, I'm going back to my room now after dinner. It's like, good, good. Just, you know, preserve your energy, preserve your energy. You need it. And, it, and it's tough too, though, because when you're with all your friends that you haven't seen for a while and everyone's kind of like in this party mode, there's so much peer pressure too. like, no, you have to go out tonight. And I'm like, mm, I don't. <laughs> oh, how was your talk, though? Oh, the talk went well. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, when I was doing my solo talk on the main stage, the main stage was set up right next to the expo hall. So, you know, there was like a lot of buzz and background noise and kind of not super conducive um, from a presenter standpoint. And I can imagine not from an audience standpoint either, mm. but I felt really great about my talk and I got really excellent feedback for it. I left time for Q&As and there were tons of Q&A, um, lots of great questions that I was able to answer. So it was good. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, so good. Yeah, Thanks. Um, well, today's topic doesn't really have anything to do with what we've just chatted about, but that's all right. We'll make a sharp left. <laughs> <laughs> today's topic is all about things that we've let go of. So we recently published an episode on things that we've changed our mind about, which I love chatting about that topic. And it brought up this topic, actually, that we've mentioned several times here on the podcast, and that's letting go of things, which is not easy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it is easy, but sometimes it's not so easy. Uh, and we let go of things throughout our lives for a ton of reasons. Maybe it's a time issue. Maybe we no longer have passion for it. Uh, maybe we realize that it's just no longer serving us. All great reasons to let something go, right? So Nicole and I thought that we would share a few things that we've let go of recently to help encourage anyone who might be tuning in who has something that they're ready to let go of, but 
isn't really sure how, or maybe just hasn't gotten around to it yet. And Nicole, you had, when we were talking about this topic, you had mentioned a chapter from Derek Sivers' book. Um, The book is Hell Yeah or No, but um, his specific chapter where he kind of talks about this is called Quitting Something You Love. And he talks about this whole idea of making space, which I'm so into that. I love how he describes like opening up space to let in change and change is a, again, the topic that we've chatted about recently. So this felt very in line. What are your thoughts on this whole idea? Well, one of the first thoughts that I had was that quitting usually gets a bad rap. You know, there's this idea of, um, Okay, you can quit a bad habit, but I think this is something that I'm carrying from my childhood when I would start something and someone would say, oh, you've stopped doing that. Why, you know, you're not consistent. You know, consistency is important. And so I've always carried this thought that, you know, usually quitting something that you start, you know, you should persevere, you should keep going. Mm. So I I loved this chapter. This chapter resonated because it kind of presents an alternative idea and also challenges you to think maybe you should quit the things that you do love. Right. He actually talks about it in more of a positive sense, Mm. which is like an interesting spin because yeah, thinking back to childhood and even now it's like, don't give up, like keep going, don't quit. And yeah, I I can totally see how there is this stigma around Mm -hmm. quitting that is usually considered a negative thing, but he just flips it on on its head and says, wait a second, quitting is great because it opens up space for new things. Right. And I think too, and so then I, I started to think, well, all the things that I've quit in the past, some things I quit weren't in my control. If I think about the first and when I went to make my list, one of the first things that I quit was tennis lessons as a kid Mm. must have been around nine Mm. ten eleven around then and I probably should go back and ask my mum about this because it was probably a financial thing I didn't think they could afford to Mm. keep both my brother and I you know in those classes and and have and continue those lessons um so I always felt like why did I quit tennis maybe it wasn't even something that was in my control yeah interesting I never really thought about it from a standpoint of things that you quit that aren't really necessarily your decision to quit. Um, But yeah, definitely. Well, I liked his example of letting go of things when he felt like he needed them. Mm. He gives a very, what might seem like a trivial example, but it's a good example of um, he kept mints in the car and then one day he he ran out of them and thought, oh no, I need more. And then as soon as he got that feeling that of a need then it was like, okay, no, it's time to quit this. And so he had no more mints in the car since that day. His setup in this chapter, I'm like, okay, how are you that good at quitting things? Because (laughs) usually when you say that you need something, it's something that you're probably addicted to or that you really, really like. Like I wrote down the example of, I always want dessert after dinner. Like, I feel like I need it. That would be incredibly hard for me to quit. Just like straight out. Like he, like he says, the minute that I felt like I needed it, I just said, I'm not going to do it anymore. And 
I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm not that disciplined either. When I read that example, I thought you actually had quit it. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I'm I mean, same. I ha- oh, you know what? I have come up with creative ways of what dessert means. So I'm not necessarily like, you know, eating a cupcake or <laughs> chocolate or ice cream after dinner. But there's always like that little something I've kind of, I make myself feel a little bit better about it. I do like an apple and peanut butter or something, but it's always like this after dinner thing, Mm -hmm. right? When in reality, my dinner should be my meal. I shouldn't need to have like something after dinner, but it just seems, I I don't know. It's probably a pretty bad habit. (laughs) Well, I'm with you in that bad habit because I always feel like I need something sweet after dinner, especially. Actually, even after like any savory meal. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like even just a piece of chocolate. So I I don't think I don't consider a piece of chocolate dessert. But no, that's like (laughs) that's very in control of you. (laughs) Do I stop at one piece, though, is the question. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe not always. You can have your cheat nights. (laughs) So another bad habit that I do feel unlike wanting dessert after dinner, which I guess I've kind of let go of that in some ways by swapping out the ice cream for (laughs) apples and peanut butter. Um, Another bad habit that I do feel I've worked really hard on and that I'm doing pretty good at is saying yes to too many things. Letting go of saying yes or quitting, um, as Derek Sivers would put it, saying yes to too many things. Um, This has been such a challenging thing for me because... I start to feel bad and I want to help. I've actually done multiple podcast episodes on this. I really started digging into like, why is this a thing? Why do I Mm. feel like I need to say yes, even when I don't want to? Um, So that's something that I'm definitely focused, uh, continuously focused on becoming better and better at is saying no to more things. But that's a great one. I mean, he opens this chapter with the only way you're going to be able to bring in new things into your life is if you make space and mm-hmm. if one of your habits is to say yes to everything, then you're just filling your day with little things. Mm-hmm, definitely. Do you have any like bad habits that you've let go of? Bad habits, bad habits. Um, well, I don't know if this is a bad habit, but um, I was, I always really loved my pasta and I don't really mm. love cooking that much. And I always think pasta is a really easy thing and dish to, to whip up. So we decided that we would just have it once a week. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And that kind of forces us to be a little bit more creative with other meals and have a bit more variety. You know, making sure we, yeah. we have fish one night, meat, chicken, and it kind of spreads out. Because if it's just like, oh, yeah, let's have pasta. This is the quickest thing to whip up. <laughs> then, yeah, it would be, you know be made of pasta before we know it (laughs) (laughs) i love pasta (laughs) i know who doesn't right i'd be like really really so that was that was a hard one but yeah gave that up which Mm. is good yeah i found myself when i was making my list of things i i almost started categorizing them and maybe this is just like my geeky way of over organizing (laughs) but i i started like listing out categories of like things that are bad habits, things that I feel like I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking about like, you know, in the health and wellness space, like workouts that I've quit. Um, Maybe this is a, this is a great breakdown. I like how you've categorized them. 
he talks about addiction, like things that you feel like you need or or addicted to. And I'm just looking at your workouts category. Mm, Yeah. Those, I mean, I feel like I definitely am addicted to working out. I think that it's a good thing in a lot, a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course you can overdo it, right? Mm. And I think that one thing that I probably overdid it with is insanity that by Shanti, (laughs) those high intensity interval training workouts, like I literally used to do them every single day. When I met you, I remember you describing these workouts and I was like, wow, Kate's, Kate's amazing. A little insane. <laughs> Maybe a little insane. <laughs> <laughs> a little insane. No. But man, I just, I mean, I think it's a perfect example though of something that I loved. Derek Sivers talks about quitting something mm. that you love. Yeah. I loved those workouts. They made me feel great. I felt like I was in incredible shape. But the closer I got to 40, the more I started feeling these workouts. Like, mm. like there were times when I was doing it and like my knee would hurt really bad. And I'd be like, I should probably take a couple of days off. Like when I'm doing this certain thing, yep. I can really feel it in my knees or, you know, stuff like that. Right. And the more I got into working with a virtual trainer and kind of like understanding body composition better and muscle mass and all of these things, I realized that, you know, that probably wasn't good for me to be doing that every single day. So I loved Mm -hmm. it, but I felt like it was time to sunset it and I successfully let go of it. And I've brought in other great workouts to replace that, um, that make me feel great and that I feel are probably more balanced. Mm. Um, but you have, a, you have a few workout things on your list too. I felt like when, um, I was reflecting on my workouts, I realized that I probably do get a little bit bored after I get into something for a while mm. because I was thinking about my orange theory obsession. Uh, it didn't last, you know, I don't know if it was as intense as your in- insanity um, addiction, but I was really into orange theory fitness. Uh, I remember I, that. You remember? Yeah. And, and I remember when I first got into it, I, um, I was talking to someone at a conference. I think he was a personal trainer and I was just, you know, going on and on about orange theory how much i loved it i just started it and at one point he says to me you're going to get bored after a year oh and i looked at him and said no i'm not i love it too much that's not going to happen and it was almost like clockwork like a year later i was like i am so bored of this no kidding i don't it's, it, it's a funny one because like you like i really you know we've talked about the importance of exercise and movement and all of mm-hmm. that and, and i feel like i need to exercise and work out uh, so why did i get bored and I, I don't know it was just a little bit of like i need a change i want i want to do something different yeah it started to feel a little bit you know i don't want to diss the whole franchise it started to feel a little bit gimmicky that was yeah. just my experience uh, i know people that still do it and love it I think maybe to Siva's point, like the idea of like, if you feel like you, I needed that workout in order to exercise, maybe the bigger lesson there is like, you don't actually need a prescribed Mm-hmm. type of fitness or type of exercise to keep doing something that's really good for you, like working out. Because I felt like maybe there were times when I was traveling and I was like, I was desperate to find an Orange Theory studio. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if I don't find one, am, am I not going to work out? And I think that's why I have this challenge when I travel 
and I know we've been talking about this, of working out while I'm traveling because I'm so conditioned to do the thing I do at home, whatever it is, go to a studio. And then so when I'm traveling, I'm out of my routine. So I think there's something to this, this whole idea of like feeling like if you need a particular thing in order to achieve whatever the result, maybe you should question that. Yeah, that is an interesting thought. Well, I love how you've broken up these categories. So you've got one category of quitting things that we think we're supposed to do. Mm. That's a great one. And you've got here caring what other people think. Do you, so you think we're supposed to care what other people think. Hmm. But yeah. Well, I well, no, I feel like in a lot of situations, you do things that you think you're supposed to do because you are worried about what other people will think. I Does that make you. sense? I, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. I got you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that we should care what other people think. And that's why, but it kind of, it seems to come up so often. And we kind of touched on this in our social media episodes, I think, talking about like how we present ourselves or what we might put out there because of wanting people to like us or or if we're comparing ourselves to other people. And I just feel like in so many scenarios, sometimes I get like so wrapped up and and when I unravel it, it really is me doing something because I feel like I'm supposed to do it. And I find that oftentimes when that's the case, that it's usually because I'm thinking like, oh, well, what's somebody going to think if I don't? Mm. And I think that's a dangerous game to play. I definitely want to let go of that. And as we've also said in so many of our conversations, the best way to overcome this stuff is to be aware of it. And so becoming aware of like when I'm in these situations where like, let's say, um, posting on social media, Mm -hmm. you know, like in the business space, like that's what you're supposed to do. You need to post on social media. So if I like kind of give up one of my accounts, so to speak, for example, my Facebook, my personal Facebook profile, I don't really post on there very much, Mm -hmm. but then are other people going to think I'm not being a good business person because I'm not posting on my Facebook profile? Like that's the kind of situation where I just, I don't want to feel that way about it. Like I want to post on my Facebook profile because I want to, not because I feel like I'm supposed to, or I'm doing it because I care what other people think if I don't. Yes. Yeah. And this is why this is a really good thought experiment because again, coming down to the thing of, oh, I need to do that thing because this is what's expected. Mm-hmm. Do we really need to? Right. Like, like I think it's a, it's good to just stop and question all these things that we're doing because we feel like we need to, we're obliged to, or what are people going to think if we don't, so that we can make space for other great things. Because this is this is a topic that's been coming up a lot, where people, you know, mention they've had a, they're doing a social media detox, a diet, taking a hiatus, all mm. of that. And in every, every, maybe it's confirmation bias, but every single person who's done that has just reported a positive experience. Right. Cause they've given themselves time to let something else in. Yeah. Something else that's positive or, you know, lights them up that they're passionate about. Like, and that's another thing that kind of struck me and the way that Sivers opens up his uh, chapter on this topic 
he says to bring something new into your life, you need somewhere to put it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're so accustomed to just like filling our life and our days with things and to do's. And if we're not busy, that means we're not being productive. So we always have to be doing something. And when you let yourself have space, you can bring in really incredible things that you would never be able to think up or dream up or make happen without that space. But I mean, I think that's why it can be so difficult to let things go because, because of that like need to always be doing and creating and working on something and being busy and or supposed to if I think back again not to you know keep going on about the flamenco example but that for me was my hobby I guess it falls into your category of things we're supposed to do we're supposed to have a hobby and when Mm. I felt like my schedule is so packed I'm not able to you know dedicate the time I need to do you know to feel good about and, and show up to class and and progress and all of that because of my schedule with work and everything else going on it was really hard to let go of because I thought well I have to have a hobby don't I but who says I do Mm, right yeah and and I think that there are so many things that could be considered hobbies that maybe aren't like traditional hobbies like I don't know. I consider my workouts one of my hobbies. It's something that I love to do and it's outside of like my professional career or, you know, what I might do with, well, I would go walking with girlfriends too, but, Mm. um, this traditional idea of like hobbies, I think there's so many other things that can fit into these quote unquote categories that we have. Going back to again, what you quoted from Sivers, having that space gives you the opportunity to explore other alternatives. So if you don't give, even if like temporarily you, you quit your hobby that you feel you're supposed to do to me, a hobby is also something that's a creative expression, right? It's your point about like an alternative way of viewing it, something that's creative. And by having that space, when I gave dance up, I was able to, um, I don't know what the timeline is, but we started our podcast Yeah, not too long after. And to me, this is a creative expression and I was able to create that space for it. Getting up early to do these recording sessions is something that I love. It'd be a lot harder if I'm at the studio till 9.30, 10 o'clock the night before doing, doing a class. Oh yeah, that's an excellent example for sure. And that also like reminds me on on the topic of investing our time in certain things. I was thinking a lot of the sunk cost bias when I was coming up with things that I've let go of because I find that that can be the toughest thing to let go of is maybe a project or mm. or anything, a hobby, something that you've invested a big amount of time or money or energy into um, to learn a hobby or to get, you know, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at tennis since I've started doing it. And to be honest, in some ways, I'm like, even there have been times where I felt like, you know what, I just need to give tennis up. Like, I'm not, you know, going to be Serena Williams or anything. But you know, I have fun doing it. But in those moments, I've also felt like, well, I've invested so much time to get better, like I have to keep playing. And I want to like, let go of that. I want to stop thinking that just because I've invested a lot of time or energy into something, and this happens with work, work projects all Mm -hmm. the time. It's like, 
you've spent a certain amount of time building something, but then you realize it's either not serving you or it's not serving your audience anymore, or it's just a bad idea or Mm -hmm. it's not going to work or whatever the case may be to be able to let go of that instead of be in the mindset of, well, I've already invested so much time into it. So I have to keep going. No, you don't have to keep going. You can quit it. You can quit it if it's not serving you, if it's not serving your audience, if it's not working, like any one of those things. And I think that when you do do that, it's so much more empowering. Yes. It's actually an awesome feeling. Exactly. And that's why I love this conversation. I love this chapter because my knee-jerk reaction to quitting is that stigmatized version of quitting is bad. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that leads you to hang on to things that no longer serve, the sunk cost bias, all of that because of the stigma of quitting. Oh, I feel like I, I want to workshop a little bit your ten, love for tennis and your thoughts on oh. potentially quitting it. Because I'm going back to his chapter. What did he say? Uh, I used to have an awesome job. I loved it so much that I became too comfortable. So I made myself quit. Yeah. And that made me figure out to be a full-time musician. I mean, you love tennis, right? Right. That kind of reminds me of going back to what you were saying about how if you have a hobby like to be able to find a new hobby, you have to make that space, right? So you would have to quit in order to figure out what else could be a great hobby, maybe a better hobby, like one that you love even more. And also his example of that he felt addicted to America, that he was in his comfort zone. And so he made himself quote unquote quit by leaving the US. And now he says, I probably never will move back. So it's it's interesting, this idea of quitting in order to find, I don't want to say find something better because I don't really feel like it's about the pursuit of better. I don't think it's it just is about either. The per- yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I don't think it's about better. I don't think that's what his point is here. No, no. But like the experience, like what else can you experience or what else can you discover or what else... Can, what else will you love? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What else will you learn? Being able to try different things. Yeah. Well, Nicole, I loved this chat. Being able to revisit the Sivers chapter, which is getting me really excited to go pick up this book. Um, again, we'll link to this chapter and we'll link to the book as well. Hell Yeah or No is the title of the book. And just like bringing up this idea, being able to kind of throw it back and forth a little bit, think about things that we want to let go over that we want to quit. Um, thanks for having this convo. Oh, thank you. I'm really into thought experiments and I think, um, you know, they provide good conversation starters and a way for us to, yeah, think about something in a very different way that we normally wouldn't. For sure. Well, friends, as we close out today's chat on things we've let go of, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you have a friend in mind who might also enjoy our chats, share the podcast with them too. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.